The following is brought to you by the Starfleet Podcast Network, SPN, The Spin. Your writing style, uh, it's, it's, it's really good, man. It, it's a great story through and through. I think the Zoom type is the guy that just sneezed. That's, no, not, I will not say that concerning he balloon bombed me, so he, he keeps sneezing back there. Um, Big J here with Beyond Trek Podcast. In just a moment, I'll be showing you Mud's Mission, a Star Trek fan production from the Federation Files. Afterwards, join myself, Vance Major, and Frank Parker Jr. for our critical, not cynical review and reactions. Enjoy the show. diligently since the advent of the written word. His accumulation of knowledge has grown exponentially with each passing decade. As he moved out into space, this knowledge was combined with that of many other races to create the single largest repository of information in the known universe. The repository is known as Memory Alpha. This is where you can access the Federation files. Log, active Captain Parsons recording. We are in orbit of Gamma Tango 6, conducting a joint geological survey with the Saladin to determine the viability of establishing a mining outpost on the planet. The atmosphere contains plenty of oxygen, with minor trace impurities which can easily be filtered out. Today, a tectonic study should reveal whether the surface is stable enough to proceed to the next phase of the survey. We have four more days to complete this assignment before we return to Wrigley's Pleasure Planet to retrieve the captain from shore leave. Sir, we are receiving a priority one call from Starfleet. On screen? Yes, sir. 
Admiral. Thank you, Lieutenant. Commander, I hear your captain is enjoying his holiday. Having the time of his life, last I heard. That is good. I have a diversion for you. Are you familiar with the crisis occurring on Catula? Yes, if I recall, their planet is entering an ice age due to unpredicted massive volcanic activity. Precisely. And Starfleet has been evacuating the populace as quickly as possible. However, this catastrophe has created an opportunity for undocumented migration on the Federation facilities. Our borders are open, sir. Care to elaborate? Well, let's just say that dozens of Catulians are randomly appearing at outposts throughout your sector. And the problem isn't that they're immigrating, it's that they're immigrating improperly, showing up at small outposts, toxing the resources available. Our best guess is a smuggler is dropping them off and then vanishing. Understood. What do you need from us? We have reason to believe that K-7 is due a visit. Therefore, I need you to head there, monitor the traffic, and attempt to identify and apprehend the smuggler. Will do. Do I need to let the captain know that we'll be late? I've already extended his leave. He has every confidence in you as I do. We'll throw out. Give me the salad then. I have cut and Captain, the Valiant has been reassigned. You'll have to finish this one up without us. Yes. I've been monitoring the Catulan situation. I knew it was only a matter of time before one of us was deployed. Understood. Was there anything you needed before we leave? No. We have this under control. Thank you. First command? Yes, sir. Good luck, kid. Thanks. Helm. Laying a course for K-7? Already plotted, sir. What are we waiting for? Warp 5. Function. It's very strange. This is the scene at Dwyer's Dive. Dwyer's Dive. Never heard of it. It's a private port not far from here. Anyway, two dozen Catula refugees appeared here. The proprietors were livid. The refugees claim memory loss, having no idea how they got here. The logs of several ships have docked there that could have transported them. However, none of them had any relation to Catula. What happened to the refugees? Starfleet's sending a transport for them. We're going to be reimbursing the station for its losses. A hundred Catula refugees appeared on Deep Space 2. Strangely, no ship large enough to accommodate that many passengers has been spotted there in over six months. Furthermore, the miners at Lima 2 have been selling crystals to a man named Cassius Nevo. After his departure, a dozen Catulan refugees appeared in the mines, again claiming memory loss with having no idea how they got there. This one should be easy to solve. Jonathan, I see you got your first command. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. But I'm sure this isn't the only reason you called. No. No, it's not. I just obtained this file from Varab Moonbase 1. I think you'll find it interesting. Mr. Walsh, I just wanted to thank you. You have. Now good luck to you. Wait, um, what should I do now? What's your name, sweetheart? I'm Lyra. Lyra. My job was to get you off Cartula. I did. The rest, it's up to you.
I know you're looking for someone smuggling Cthulans into Federation space. I'm pretty sure this is your guy. Seems like it. Name's Walsh? Oh, don't bother looking up Walsh. He's been dead for years. How's that? The man in that video isn't Walsh. I recognize him from an encounter a couple years ago. His name is Mud. Harcourt Fenton Mud. But you can call him Harry. Harry Mud. Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll be on the lookout for him. Well, good luck. Say hi to your dad for me. Yeah, absolutely. Parsons out. Oh, one more thing. Yes? Did you get the specs for the new communicators? Yeah. Let me know how they work out. Mm. Sure. Will do. Parsons out. Let's do a quick search, then we'll authorize your leave. Officer Parsons, what can I do for you? This is Magistrate Traval from the Mining Consortium here on Sherman's Planet, First Officer. Where's your captain? He's on leave. Great. The Federation decides to dump a bunch of vagrants on me and I've got to deal with second string officers. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, Magistrate. What do you mean, vagrants? Don't pretend you don't know. Humor me. Yesterday, Starfleet sent Commander Scott to obtain several tons of trillium ore. Once the transaction was complete, he paid and then he left. Moments later, several dozen purple-headed aliens were seen just south of the mines. Well, 38 to be exact. This is what I'm dealing with. Irate mothers searching for lost children, crying children left alone. Why is the Federation doing this? I assure you, this is not the Federation's doing. And if you're talking about Montgomery Scott, he's on the Enterprise a couple sectors away, so... Can't be him. And those purple heads you're talking about? Called Cthulans, and honestly, I'm just as curious as you are as to why they're on Sherman's planet. Cthulans? That makes sense. Scott paid for the trillium with Cthulian currency. Well, it's starting to make sense. Hmm. I'll tell you what, Magistrate. If you can accommodate them for one more day, I'll get a transport ship out there to send them to a refugee processing center. Get them out of your hair. One day. All right, Commander. I appreciate it. I'll send the Valiant to come pick the refugees up. Good day, Commander. Good day, Magistrate.
I finished my sweep, no security issues found. It's good to hear. Got bad news though, Bob. Shore leave's canceled. Great, what's going on? 38 Catulans got dropped off on Sherman's planet. And he's just take the Valiants to go pick them up. What about you? I'm gonna wait here. Got a feeling he might show up. You're taking quite a risk. Why is that? Once I get the Valiant, I may not give her back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. First time on command, I lose the ship. Good luck, Bob. I'll see you in a couple days. When did the Valiant beam up? Twenty-four hours. Fine, fine. Oh, and uh, Harry. Yes. I've got my eyes on you. Fine. No sign of mud. Federation outposts? I don't know what you're talking about. 
We have surveillance video from several stations showing you and the refugees together. In my line of work, I come across all sorts of people. That's not a crime. Okay, trafficking sentient beings is, however. I'm not trafficking anyone. Search my ship. You'll not find a contoon on board my ship possibly ever. Okay, that's true. We did check it. No Cthulhu DNA. However, we did find hundreds of these. What are they? Basic chemical compounds. Okay, for what purpose? I'm a trader. I trade in things. Rudimentary chemical compounds are sometimes on my ship, like now. These don't hold any value. True, but one takes what he can get. Okay. Well, then how do you explain the massive amount of Cthulhu currency, jewels, and valuables found in the compartments hidden underneath your floor panels. You have no right. Okay, well let's talk about impersonating a Starfleet officer. Does the name Montgomery Scott ring a bell, Mud? The trillium on your ship was purchased with Cthulhu currency by a man claiming to be Montgomery Scott. With all these accusations being thrown around, I request to confer with a local public advocate. You're asking for an attorney? I'm entitled to due process, not this unwarranted harassment. Have it your way, Mud. I'll get you a representative. Mr. Parsons. Yes? My name is Skylar. I'm here to represent Mr. Mudd. Oh, you're the local advocate. I'm in private practice. Anyway, we need to talk. Absolutely. Is he okay? Where is Mr. Mudd currently? He's in the brig on the Valiant. We should have him present. Understood. How about we meet on the Valiant in, say, 20 minutes? Agreed. Excellent. I'll let the transporter room know you're coming on board. Thank you, sir. Let's go, Mud. Legal counsel's here. Legal counsel? Miss Schuyler, Mr. Mudd, we need to discuss some, shall we say, irregularities concerning you and the appearance of Cthulhu and refugees at several of your last port calls. admits to conducting a mercy mission to Catula in the interest of mercy and humanitarian aid. At a huge profit, I'm sure. Operating a spaceship isn't cheap. Mr. Mudd assisting in relocating some Catulan refugees and some of their meager belongings to a couple locations in Federation space. It was with the best of intentions. Oh, so the currency and the jewels are Catulan property. Yes. No. Mr. Mudd. We've established 
that you've been smuggling these Catulans on Federation outposts. We also have evidence that you've been impersonating a Starfleet officer at least once. We ran the registration on your ship, that also came back false. But what I really want to know is how you've been smuggling them on this small ship of yours. That, my good man, is a trade secret. Oh, I'm sure it is. I think we need a short recess. Agreed. One hour. Security, please escort Mr. Mudd back to his cell. Miss Skyler, can I get you anything? Food? Drink? No, thank you. But if you have a moment, I have a proposition. I'll tell you how he does it, but I want some guarantees first. What do you propose? You're free to go, Mud. I am. Well. Now you are. I don't know what to say. Thank you. Don't thank me. Thank Miss Skyler here. She determined coming clean was better for everyone involved. She did, did she? In addition to your freedom, she's agreed to give me the salvage matter converter and the specs to use it to restore those remaining Catulans. I salvaged that fair and square. In addition, the Catulan valuables will be used to set up a fund to help reestablish them on a new planet. How am I supposed to survive if you've taken everything of value? If I were you, I'd be grateful. The alternative was incarceration. Besides, you got yourself a hole full of trillium ore? You've made your point. I trust you two can find your way from here. Miss Skyler, it's been a pleasure. Mr. Mudd. Mr. Parsons. Council. It worked? Sure, but we're broke. Not really. <laughs> I love you. Let's go. Congratulations on a job well done. Thank you very much, Madam Ambassador. There is just one more thing. And what's that, ma'am? The Federation has just finalized an agreement with the representative of Sharon. Mm -hmm. Sharon is going to designate the Central Continent as Sharon Prime, move the few remaining inhabitants there, then allow the Catulan refugees to repopulate the rest of the planet. The Federation will assist with relocating both the Sharonians and the Catulans. Hey, that's great news. I assume the Valiant will have a part in that? Correct. You'll head towards Chiron, collecting all the Catulan refugees that are marooned in your quadrant, then deliver them to Chiron. Admiral Daniels will coordinate both the relocation and the evacuation, as well as the rebuilding of the infrastructure of Chiron. Excellent. 
I'll await his instructions. My sincere thanks on a job well done. And don't think Starfleet has not taken notice of your performance. I appreciate it. Parsons out. Captain's personal log. Addendum. My extended vacation is nearly over. I must say that the time off has rejuvenated me both mentally and physically. While I miss the Valiant, my young first officer has proven himself to be a very capable leader and has not only impressed me, but the higher brass as well. The Valiant will be supervising the Catulan repopulation of Sharon. Starfleet advisory teams are already working with the Catulans to reclaim Sharon's abandoned infrastructure and long dormant agriculture and manufacturing facilities. I'm a long way from retirement. I am very excited to see that the next generation of Starship captains are already moving up the ranks and establishing a strong moral foundation for Starfleet's future. Space Station K7. He says the local public advocate has just arrived and is looking for you. Harry Mud, you scoundrel. Send my apologies and let the advocate know that services are no longer going to be required. Welcome back. I am Big J. I am here with Vance Major, Frank Parker Jr. We are doing our critical, not cynical review of the episode you just watched. A really fan film, Mud's Mission. I'm joined with writer, executive producer, Glenn Wolf and David Whitney, who played Harry Mud. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming in and joining us tonight. I, re I really appreciate it. Nice to be here. Yeah. Um, Nowhere I'd rather be on a Friday night, right? <laughs> True. I could probably list a few things. Yeah. <laughs> so here's before we give a give a little review of what we watched. What I'd like to hear is the process that you went through in setting up this film and the casting. How do you? I guess this will be more for for Glenn. Can you take us through real quick, just a little bit of uh, where you got the idea and just take us through some of the, the casting production and the uh, filming piece of it. Uh, sure. Uh, well, casting, I guess if you haven't watched our whole series, this, this is a, the second Harry Mudd episode that we've done for those of you who haven't seen the first one, it was called, uh, his name is mud. So half the casting was from the previous episode. So, and that was, that was shot about seven years ago. Um, and then over the course of those seven years, I've received multiple requests, uh, from fans or viewers to do another Harry Mudd because everyone loved David so much. So I eventually wrote another one 
So, and I also had a lot of requests from the cast that they wanted to do another one. So there's actually 14 people from the original episode in this wow. one. As well. uh, some playing same characters, some playing, you know, background extras. But um, anyway, yeah. so um, I've had ideas about this script for several years. And then what really put it over the top was when I met uh, David's co-star, uh, Lexi Knight, who plays the, the little gold alien. Uh, I met her through a, a common friend. And, you know, she has she has done acting in the past. I actually saw her in a play uh, Greece, as a matter of fact, she was one of the extras in Greece at the local theater. Uh, and then I ran into her in a restaurant with our makeup person, Michelle Reynolds. Michelle introduced me and Lexi said, you know, if I ever had a part, uh, you know, she'd be interested in doing this. And, you know, because of her stature, I thought, hey, I have a great idea. We'll have her play this alien race that I can never remember the name of. Uh, unfortunately, it begins with an I, but but they were, you know, rather, you know, shorter aliens that wore fezzes. You see them in the journey to Babel or Babel. Um, anyway, at, after I met her, then I, I got the script together and, you know, got the idea to get the two of them together. And it all uh, it just kind of blossomed after that. We shot it probably about two months after I had met her. That That's you know, once she was she was the key to getting this going, actually. Nice. And David, in your preparation for playing Harry Mudd, did you watch any of the episodes from the original series that uh, that featured Harry Mudd? Were you trying to go for your own thing or did you feel like you needed to do, a, I guess, an, an impersonation of the character? What was what was your thought process uh, on that? Yeah, I love the Harry Mudd character. I focused on the the, the first episode um that that actor played and i i worked hard on enunciating and, and sounding as much like him as possible um, but i also kind of stole from some cartoon characters um so there's a combination of mr krabs from spongebob and the lucky charms uh character and so if i if i think about it if i think of mr krabs and i just bring it down a little bit um settle it down a little bit it, it it worked out well now originally when glenn was making this film i said listen if he had a different character different person that was going to play harry mudd and i said listen if the voice doesn't sound right for harry mudd let me audition my voice as a voiceover alternative and then uh, so i did that and he said that that sounds pretty good so then i got the costume and then I did a uh, a video video audition, and if I'm right, Glenn did a did one of those audition pieces end up in the film? I would have to say yes because that happens a lot. So <laughs> use the audition. You were already in the scene. So, <laughs> yes. so hey, you got the job. <laughs> but but it's just the character is just so fun to play. It's like, it's like, I don't even have to think about it. It just, it's too much fun. So it's easy. <laughs> That's great. Well, I would like to get started with the 
critical but not cynical review. It'll be great. You guys don't have anything to worry about. But since I've been doing a lot of the uh, jibber jabbering so far, would like to start with either Frank or V-Man. Either one of you guys like to jump in and give your first uh, review and reaction of Mud's mission? Why don't you go ahead and take it, Frank? Take it, Frank. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy However, hey, guys, how's it going? Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I actually, to tell you the truth, Glenn, I, I enjoy the Federation Files a lot, and I, and I like the way you do it. And, you know, we, I think when we were down at, um, when we were down in, in Kingsland and uh, you and I were discussing why you do things and you were saying it's hard to keep cast on that rotating. So I congratulate you on getting so many people back for this particular one, especially after, after seven years. And, and it's good. And, and David, you, you play a fantastic mud. You really do. You are very convincing in that role. And you, you know, there's a, a very good site, meld with the original and you in it. So I think you pulled that off quite well. Thank you. The, the thing that really uh, kind of, it, I, I try to remember the episode with the Kelvins is, did you get your idea from that episode from the original Trek? I, I, I that, did. Yeah. I mean, it, it was great because the minute I saw that, I said, I think I know where he got his idea for this. <laughs> But that that was a real good touch, brought a little bit of the old series into it. And uh, that was an enjoyable. And, of course, bringing it back to, um, you know, K7 and everything else, it just, you know, brought that whole uh, feeling of the original Trek back. And that was the exciting part of it. You know, saying you're using the same names, uh uh, for a couple of things, you get the Klingons in there. The only thing I wish is you had Scotty there throwing the first punch. <laughs> <laughs> Again. <laughs> now, um, the, the one thing that I did notice, and I, and I think it had to do, if this was done seven years ago, um, the only small thing that I had was that the ships were a little bit, you were more filming the models and stuff like that. If that's how you did those, you know, what, you know, in the background, how did you do the ships in K7? What were you filming? Was was that digital? Uh, digital? Uh, are you talking about the, this one or the first one? No, no, this one with. Um, this was all CG. Uh, Dan Reynolds is doing the CG for us. Yeah. OK. I was just kind of if it looked like you got, I had the feeling it was more like the old style where you're shooting models instead of doing CG. Of course. Well, I think, I think he was trying to pull that. Well, off. we are going for that look. Yeah, yeah, it, it had it definitely had that look for uh, a, that retro kind of sci-fi, you know, cage era uh, look, and I I appreciated the fact that it had that look to it. Um, it it had a certain charm to it. You yeah, know? and that, that's what I was thinking. I, I liked the way that was done. So, yeah, the production value was pretty good. I've I've got to tell you, I was very impressed with it. And that is, that is something that I really like to see in these fan productions is if possible, being able to see that they uh, can get that kind of quality to look like that, to, to feel like you we were really watching an episode from the original series. One, the one thing, I'm sorry, go ahead. The one, the one thing I, I enjoyed about this film 
um, and the Federation files as a whole um, is is the fact that they do they do focus on the right things production wise. Um, they don't overextend themselves. Uh, the I forget what exactly the episode was that had the focus on. Um, what were the episodes that Wolf? You'll have to remind me. What were the episodes that had the 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 X Files esque characters in oh, it? Yeah, no, I love those. Yeah, it, uh, the second one was Mask, and the first one, oh gosh, I, I've done too many films. Uh, but, but Mask was the follow up. So that's not the one you're talking about. You're talking about the one where they were investigating all the time travel stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that that was a, a very different type of film, but the the budget it focused on the the strengths to the story you were telling. You didn't overextend yourself and try to you know do every little odd and end and, and take itself too seriously in terms of scope and everything. You you stuck to the story you were telling and and, and kept it small enough but yet big enough to what you were doing. And that it's the same thing here. You you had a nice enough budget to where you you could. Uh, tell a nice story but yet it was it wasn't the big budget where star trek discovery where you know uh hell even the 1980s type star trek that we're you know, have seen before um and it, it just tells a great story and you focus on the actors and the strengths of the actors which uh you know i'm i am a fan of david whitney playing but god Damn you, Noah! <laughs> <laughs> I love the balloons. <laughs> Thanks, Noah. Did that? Did I say V Man? Those balloons? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you got video bombed. Was that the Equinox effect? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's referring to the, the, the detective episode was Voices from the Past. Voices from the Past. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Yeah. One of my favorites too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like I, I've said before, like I'm I'm a fan of David Whitney as uh, Mud, and in fact, that's the one I thought when when you when you said Mud's uh, mission, I thought that was a film that I was rewatching tonight. Um, was uh, his name is Mud? I thought that was the one I was watching, and I thought, oh, this will just be a refresher course on what I've watched, you know. Because again, you've done so many films, Wolf. I, I, for, you know, I don't keep up with with films because I'm I'm very busy. Um, and when I I started watching this, I was like, wait a second, this this doesn't seem like the one I watched. What what is this now? <laughs> you know. And, and so I was I was pleasantly surprised that there was another film that that uh, David had played mud in so i was like great cool this is this is wonderful because i didn't know that he had been in another one as as harry mud um because like i said i i'm a big fan of that i think he plays the character very well um i i think he's a great character in the original series and i'm a fan of uh the character that was in discovery but i think they they kind of went a little too dark in that uh show and i think david plays it with um there there's not that bit of uh, cynicism in in the character. There, there's that bit of funness to the character, um, and the story here uh, just accentuates what uh, you know the character is all about. So I think you your writing style, uh, <laughs> it's 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 really good, man. It, it's a great story through and through. Um, and I think the actors that you got, um, I think the Zoom type to the guy that just sneezed. <laughs> that's Noah. I'm not, I will not say that considering he, he balloon bombed me. So he, he keeps sneezing back. Um, 
I think the most charming person was the the short actress, the the gold lady. Um, she was a real charmer. I I found her delightful. Um, but I think everybody in that, um, including Commander Preston, he was a, a wonderful uh, character. Um, you know, me having uh, a personal fondness of the Valiant. Um, you know, having come from that ship when I first started my uh, introduction into fan films, um, everything about this film was was great all over. So I, I really enjoyed this. I, I can't I can't really say anything negative about it. Anything that was uh, subpar is, is something you would normally see in a fan film that you can't really critique it. So I, I really thought it was great all over. So I dip my hat, which I'm not wearing at the moment, uh, to everybody involved. <laughs> So, so good job. I, you good mentioned his, Glenn's writing for Mud, and but in both films, I got to tell you, every line that Harry Mud gets to say, I just thought was perfect. And and you know, and I've I've you know I've done a fair bit of writing, and um, when I'm looking at the script, I'm like, you know, I I really wouldn't change this. You know, I wouldn't change this line and. And I might embellish a little bit. And uh, there was one joke I wanted to pull off and Glenn said, no. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So I'll say that joke here is, is uh, what was it? It was something about all the dead armadillos. When we were driving through Arkansas to get to the, to the stage, um, all these dead armadillos on the side of the road in Arkansas. I had never even seen an armadillo and here are all these dead armadillo carcasses. And I wanted to say like an armadillo in Arkansas, but, but he just, he said it, it didn't fit. I understand that, but uh, at least I got to say it right now. But yeah, every, <laughs> every line is like, God, that is, it, it, it was so enjoyable to say every line. Like I can picture the original character saying this line. It was like, okay, I'm loving the playing this character, and Glenn mm-hmm. is is so good at writing this character. Let's just do it. Let, I'm not going to argue with anything Glenn says. I'm just going to do my job as best I can. Well, that's that's one of the things about playing like like one. You know, I always tell my actors when when you're doing a fan film, you you just have to go for gold. film but you're playing an established character so when you're watching someone like that there's that much more pressure on someone like you because they're automatically going to be thinking about you know not only the character but their preconceived notion of the character so you're going into it kind of stepping into those shoes and i and i have to say like you know wolf's writing is great your interpretation of the character is great you're you're one of the few people that i don't mind watching in fan films you know, usually when I see a version of a Spock or a version of a McCoy or a version of a whatever, I, I kind of cringe. So I'm like, hey, look, we were how many people in fan films? Let's create a new character. Let's do something different. But you're one of the few people where I'm like, I don't mind watching you. And again, I'm nobody special because, you know, there's a million other people like me out there. But, you know, I, I you know, Not I know. F- filmmaker... <laughs> I hope not. Uh, screw you, Frank. Um, but I, but I have to say, filmmaker to filmmaker, David, you you do a really good job of of 
taking that character, keeping him original, but making him fresh. And, and Wolf, again, same thing with you uh, writing for that character. You do a really good job. You know, um, it's, it's, it's not, it's not cringeworthy at all. It's, it's a pleasure to watch. You guys do a great job. You know, um, it's, it's awesome. And, and this, this one was a great, um, and I actually, I, you know, not to, not to degrade, um, his name is Mud, but I actually enjoyed this one a lot more. The story I felt was more heartfelt, um, and it, it made Mud just, it, it was, it was a great story. I liked this one a lot. It really was good. It shows the maturity of writing over seven years. You know, you get better at your craft as you go along. Um, no matter what it is, I mean, from the, the first beginnings of any series, even even the original, you know, you've got to get that in that into that groove, into that step and get people together and working as a team. And since they worked before, they had an idea of where they wanted to go. And of course, having the background in your sets are great, you know, from that point too, Wolf, you know, so it gives that, you know, flavor and, and everything of the old Trek. So, yeah, David, I think you did a fantastic job. I think everybody did a real good job on that. Um, I recognize a few people that are on many of the Federation files in there. And I, you know, it's, it's good that you have that, that core of people that are willing to come in and give the performances that they do. So it's, well, a, it's a tribute to you guys. I, I want to say, you know, Glenn, you got 14 of the characters back. Um, I got two pieces of the costume back. I had the hat. Um, I did have the earring for a second and then I, the belt and, yep. and, um, there's a scene where Harry Mudd is in the brig and the belt had been left at a different location. And Glenn had to fabricate that belt on the spot. So the belt you see, the belt buckle you see is, is a bunch of, of duct tape and plastic and I don't know how he did it, but that is not the same belt that you see in the rest of the film. I, I, I watched this guy when I was working down with uh, Josh and, and them down at, at Kingsland when I was down there working with it. He's incredible. He sits there and he just gets everything together. He knows where everything is. You know, everybody else is walking around going, where's my head? He goes, here it is. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, just so you know that, yeah, Mud's belt in the brig scene is is cardboard and silver duct tape and a uh, a a like a, a ratchet strap uh, you, know, you tie down something on your car with because yeah, it, it was an hour drive to go to where David had left it hanging in the changing room at the other set. And David had to get done and go back to Iowa. So I'm like, I'll I'll just make one. (laughs) And there you go. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that now because I, I didn't, I didn't catch that. So that's a testament to your skill there to be able to create something on the fly. The one thing that, that I will say, and it's, it's really, you have to excuse me for being technically minded. It's just my my nature. Uh, I'm very left brain. I work in the IT industry. And so there's a lot of things that I look at from a technical standpoint in regard to audio, editing, video, things like that. The one thing that I think kind of struck me the most, and this is small, this is really small. 
there was some pacing that felt like it kind of slowed down things a bit too much. Uh, I, I, I can't, I can picture it in my head, but I couldn't describe to you where it was, but that was probably the, the smallest thing that, that I would have in regards to, regards to a critique, which is probably not even the, did you do the editing or is that a different, no, different editor? No, Dan Reynolds, my partner, right. he does the, the camera work and the editing and the Foley work and all that. Basically, I get a story together and I kind of organize the shoots and yeah. all of the technical stuff is, is Dan. Now, I, I can tell you that um, one of the pacing issues we had was bringing 14 people back to do cameos. Doesn't mean we brought them back. Mm -hmm. They were shooting video all across the country and sending it to me. And we had to stick it in where we could. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I have heard from others, too, that, yeah, some of the stuff might have been unnecessary or, or caused it to drag a little bit. But these are fan films. These people you know, contributed to my project. I'm not going to cut them out even if it really didn't fit the story quite right. Uh, and I'm, I'm not offended at all by criticism. Constructive criticism helps you get better. I think it's, uh, I like that. I like getting that because I am not, I get suspicious if I keep getting told, yes, looks good. Sounds good. Great job, Big J. Uh, you know, yeah, I, yep. to me. <laughs> yeah every, everything's great. I'm a genius. After a while, you kind of start wondering, okay, some, something's not right here because there's no way I can be doing everything correctly. You start feeling like you're. You start feeling like your friends are paying off the other guys to be like, mm, "Wait a second here." <laughs> Just tell them it looked good. He'll never know. <laughs> right, right. You know, the the one thing I do I do think was really good about the film I I, I liked. Um, it was the fact that you include it. I mean, like most films, they 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 stay away from stuff like this. You included the the playmates toy of the motion picture communicator oh yep um like i i've done that myself because i'm like man I, I i like that you know just just to include other stuff and 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 something that's different um and you went there uh, i tip of my hat to you man because like nobody <laughs> wants to do that everyone shies away from it. they're like no no hardcore tos original don't deviate don't change nothing just stick oh, there. Yeah. And it's like it makes it very boring you know yeah. i mean I'm a stickler. This has got to look exactly like the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not using yeah. toys in my production. <laughs> yeah, like to me, to me, I, 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 I love the fact. I like. I didn't even realize that that little thing at the top was was a, was a little mini con box. I was like, oh no. man, really? No, Dude, no, <laughs> I, I didn't. So I learned something. This was like. This is like PBS to me, dude. No, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. You've been um, in retirement too long. <laughs> too long in retirement. That's the problem. Yeah, I didn't know. But one thing I do like about um, making like original series fan films, you, you go back to talking about the the making the belt for David um, out of cardboard and duct tape. Um, 
Like, that's genius. I love the fact that, like, I'm trying to imagine David walking around with duct tape and cardboard. And I'm like, I wonder how many of my actors I could get to do that. So, David, tip of my hat to you for that. Because, like, <laughs> David, awesome. was there any pushback in saying, hell no, I'm not wearing cardboard and duct tape? I just wasn't sure if it was going to stay around my fat belly. <laughs> And so that tape was screaming. And I'm sitting there in the cell and I'm like, gosh, if I move too much, it's gonna it's gonna pop off. <laughs> see, see that's see it, see what really happened was it did pop off, and that's why Wolf has that thing on his forehead. <laughs> Cardboard buckle. You know, that was Paul Harvey and the rest of the story. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, so, you're right. That smell <laughs> looks so good, and they they did that the night before. Am I right? You guys put the yes. cell together the night before. Yes, so, well, see, that's crazy. It, well, see, it all goes back to something that, uh, and I for, I forget who it was, and and who, if 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 whoever's who said it to me is listening, I you know, I, I give you the credit. Leave leave your name in the comments. Um, but they they told me it's not what is actually on screen; it's what the camera sees. And I think there's a lot of wisdom to that. And having worked around Wolf enough times on set, he's a master of that craft. Um, you don't have to actually have all these full-fledged props and all these full-fledged things. Like, it's just, what does the camera see? How are we tricking the camera? And the audience will go with you. The audience wants to already believe that there's a, a full-fledged alien there and, and it's, it's already, you know, well, it's, how, we, how do we trick the camera into seeing this? They already want to think that back here there's a full-fledged spaceship. So we just got to have enough cardboard here so that the, the, the camera sees that it's, a, you know. So, I mean, it, let's trick the camera and the audience will walk with us. And that's, you know, the, the, the duct tape and the cardboard belt. Like, the audience has no idea. I wouldn't have known, but now every time I see a roll of duct tape, I'm like, yeah, where are my actors? <laughs> I can make a belt out of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You get a belt and you get a belt and you get a belt, you know, that's, you know. Everyone gets a belt. <laughs> and, they all fell, and they all fell down drunk. Oh, sorry. <laughs> now, I'm, I've always been so, uh, is it the word jealous of y'all's real sets? You know, you guys have the bridges. You guys got all this stuff. Now, I want to point out in the opening scene of this film where, where Harry Mudd's laying on the floor um, hungover. That scene is shot in my house in a small room that I had painted to look like uh, Deck 13 of Star Trek Voyager. And so um, and I, I did a few... A, a few little videos of what I call deck 13, where I was talking about Voyager episodes. So I'm like, okay, where, what am I going to get for a backdrop? I'm going to do this green screen and say, wait a minute, I've got a tiny set. And so if you look to my right, that is a, you know, that's a doorway. That's got the, the, the opening doors and the angled thing. I put a lot of work in that little set. And, and sure, it was tiny, but it meant a lot to me, Glenn, to get that little set in your film. And and uh, it was just so much fun to see it. And the, the flashing lights, I had some flashing lights, and, and that was important to me, too. 
David, I mean, I actually, when I was looking at that this time, I was saying, geez, um, I'm serious about this. I said, I wonder where, you know, Wolf, you know, what room on your sets, because I haven't seen your sets yet. I hope to next year. But um, I wasn't sure where he would have shot that, knowing the way the sets are that I'm used to. And to you fooled me. I thought that was actually on down at uh, or uh, in Arkansas. I really thought so. Well done. That's great. That's fantastic. And uh, he, oh, mo- movie magic, man. <laughs> being a set builder myself, you know, <laughs> I, I applaud you. You can come. We need some help down here. How long, how far away are you? <laughs> <laughs> how nice I'm not is, sure, but how nice is that to turn to take part of your house and turn it into a, a piece of an episode set? I, I'm just so glad it got used, you know. Yeah, and it and now uh, it, it it's gone forever. Uh, I'm divorced. That house is sold. <laughs> oh, it is gone, it is gone. Oh, and. Man. You know, originally I was going to make the whole living room look like Voyager, but I ended up getting the, the one little back room and and it got used. So um, you do what you can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the nice thing about working with all the, the producers together. If somebody has a set that you don't have, you can usually work out some way of, you know, visiting them or having them shoot it for you uh, because all of us are on limited budgets and, you know, nobody has a complete set of anything. Uh, you know, down in Kingsland is, is the most complete, but they still don't have everything. So, no. No. you know, it's, uh, it, it, but, you know, because we work together and we have fun and I did want to point out, we're all laughing. having a good time here. This is exactly what it's like when we shoot. Uh, yes. David <laughs> will attest to this. That, that girl, Lexi, I, I thought we made her life. She was having so much fun making that episode. That had Lexi, to be a lot great. of fun for her. Oh my God. She, she, she was called so her family excited. and had them come. You know, they weren't originally there. And she like called her grandma and said, Grandma, I'm on the Star Trek. You got to come and see. <laughs> oh my God. And her grandma came down. And uh, it, it, it's a treat working with people who have the same enjoyment that, that you have. And, and, you know, I built it. They think it's great. Now I know it's, it's, I call it Scrapwood Studios because I can't afford to buy anything new. I'm always looking you know, at Home Depot at, at, at the, you know, the warp wood pile and seeing how much of that I can use. Army. Hey, yeah. that guy riding down yep. the bike, can I have it? <laughs> Lexi was well, a joy to work with. I, when we were rehearsing, we we're getting ready. She was so excited. I thought there's no way she's going to calm down. She is high in height. She is on running on 12 cylinders. And then as soon as the camera started rolling, she was the character. And it was beautiful. (laughs) I thought we'd never get her beamed out. (laughs) Do you remember her on the transporter, David? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Tell us that story. I want to hear that one. Uh, she she was just you know laughing and dancing around and you know, you got to hold still so we can beam you out and you know she she's just all over she, it's it's like you know she she was on you know a whole bunch of uppers but that was her 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 whole <laughs> two or three days we were there it, it, it's like she had you know six espressos before she walked in um, but no she was just but yeah you know 
I, I, I told uh, Dan, my editor, I said, we're not even going to beam him out. Just have him walk up there and then we'll cut away because I didn't want him to have to try to make it work because she wouldn't stand still. <laughs> right. Yeah. For a transporter scene, you got to stay awfully swift. You know, then one thing that Vance and I have always talked about in, you know, you and I and David Wolf, we've all been in front of the camera. We've all been, you know, doing this type of thing for a while. But the nice part about it is when you can bring somebody like her in, give her yes. the dream that we are able to do and to let them have that enjoyment. Because, I mean, heck, you know, you see enough of my ugly face. I'd rather have somebody else out there who, <laughs> you know, wants to be on there. Give them that joy, that that feeling of accomplishment. I mean, we always say, you know, if you want to grab that camera, you know, run out there. Do it. <laughs> do it. Yeah, yeah. I have a phone here, really. It looks like you're not holding anything. That is awesome how your screen did that. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, grab your phone and go out and make it. You know, whether it's good, bad, whatever you can get, go out, live your dream and have a great time. It, because it's like that on my sets, too. I know it's like that on Vance's. I know it was like that. Well, I don't know. With Josh, he's always so intense behind that camera. <laughs> <laughs> now, along those lines, I want to talk about one of the background characters from, from the original. His name is Mud. That got uh, word in line in this film. So a lady named Tanya, Tanya Holly was a background. She played a body double. Okay. Yep. So she had to wear this blonde wig and in a couple scenes and she was a background character on the bridge and on at, at Dwyer's dive at the bar. But then in this film, Tanya is the one who walks in on me while I'm drinking and says, where's my trillion? And, um, it was just so neat that the costume she found was was perfect. And um, I can't believe that uh, years ago when I was uh, having Tanya do makeup and Tanya was doing this and that. And then she came up with an idea for for a funny thing called uh, Quick Trek. And we did we did Janeway's Quest and she played Janeway. And I'm like, oh, my God. She can act. <laughs> I, I'm an idiot. And, and so I'm like, Glenn, you, let's, yeah, let's get Tanya. And I don't know, Glenn, if you thought of that before I requested um, or, or what happened? She actually she, contacted me, David. Okay. And actually, she was originally going to play the character that Dan Reynolds uh, played on the communicator. And uh -huh. then... Uh, me and her lost contact so dan filmed it and then she got back in contact with me and said hey i'm ready to do that cameo for for mud so i had to actually write that scene in because she said she was going to be seeing you i'm like well this is perfect uh so um yeah she had contacted me and then i lost contact and then she got back in contact with me and and of course i was perfectly you know, willing to, you know, give her a bigger part because in, in the original episode, she had no lines. Like you said, she played a body double for a couple of people. And then she had one cameo sitting at a, at one of the tables at the bar, uh, but no lines, but, um, and 
I don't know. Did, did we want to say anything about her current plight, David? Um, those, those who know her, uh, you know, she's going through some medical issues right now, but, yeah, but she was a, a blessing to work with. Well, hope she's okay. We're hoping she looks good. I just saw her. I was in Arizona driving through Arizona and I got to spend a few hours with, with Tanya and she looks good. Her spirits are good, but she is going through something very difficult. And so, um, and then she gets a different change of, of process in December. I was hoping to fly her out to Iowa to film some quick trek, um, or whatever she wants to do. Um, but, um, she can't fly right now. Um, Although physically, her muscle, her skin, she looks very good for what she's going through. And, and people are surprised that she looks this good. And um, but rest assured, she does get very tired. Um, and so just, just praying for, hoping for, she's got support. And um, she's such a wonderful person. And, and I just just really feel, feel for her and uh, looking forward to working with her again. Um, and here, here's some hats off to Tanya is she has the whitest teeth you've ever seen. <laughs> and, and recently I started using some toothpaste that, that actually by accident, it's whitening my teeth, um, called hello. And I said, Tanya, how do you get your teeth so white? And she said, you know, I had a really rich guy ask me that same question and all I do, and here's the secret. He says, she says, after I brush my teeth with normal, then I dip it in baking soda and I brush it again. Oh. That's it. Hmm. So all the fancy stuff that people do, waste of time. So <laughs> I'm going to try that. Dip in baking soda. Okay. Just yeah. Dip it, brush it, rinse it. And, and, and yeah, it's working. So wow. the Hello Toothpaste and, and, I've always had yellow teeth and now they're looking quite a bit whiter. Do you put the baking soda in like some, some water, mix it up? Or are you talking about you know, with your wet toothbrush? Yeah. You know, after you, you, you brush, you spit, you rinse, just take your wet toothbrush, stick it in the baking soda and brush again. Okay. So I think the thing is that these toothpaste that say they have baking soda, they don't have enough. Uh, you want a, right. you want a good amount. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm doing this. When you spit again, you're going to go, oh, my God, that was on my teeth still. So, yeah, just try it. And uh, I can't I can't believe how simple. Let me put that on the grocery list. <laughs> baking I went soda. out about four boxes of baking soda for everybody. One for you. <laughs> yeah. Jay, why is there baking soda in your bathroom? Why are you brushing your teeth with it? Because yeah. I want my teeth to be whiter. Yeah, I learned so this one trick. So anyway, thanks again, Glenn, for including her in that way. I would just. You know, I would I love met, to do a film that featured her, but we'll see how that goes. Well, what we were going to do, and here's the shame of it, is I had a vacation plan, but then things, there was an emergency and I had to get out there. And so we were working on a script, a short quick trek where she was, I was going to play Kirk on the motion picture. And she was going to play, uh, what's that character? Laya? Ilya? Ilya. Ilya, because she's bald right now. Okay. And she was all over it. And so I have a similar dress for her.
And so I'm hoping when she feels better that we 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 reprise and maybe go back to doing the the Kirk and the Ilea quick trek humorous skit. So hopefully I'm gonna, I'm gonna plead ignorance here. You have stuff out called Quick Trek is it on YouTube? Yep. And why have I missed this? Because uh because CBS stole the idea and called it short trek. <laughs> Those bastards. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm surprised that I've missed a production online and I feel remiss and remorseful. No, seriously, I do. So I will I will need to get your link so I can look at this. Yeah, the, yeah, the only stuff that I knew that you were doing was back in the day, Star Trek Raven. That's the only stuff I knew you had done. I didn't know you were doing quick tracks. Yep, there's three, there's four or five quick tricks. There's uh, Raven and there's Derelict, uh, which is a Star Trek Voyager Derelict with Seven of Nine. Right. And, and then I got to be part of a thing called Star Trek Kataya, which is a animated three-part series where I play Admiral Falconhorst. That was produced in Germany um, by Christian Aschenbrenner and... Um, and the quick tricks, and well, there's a, there's one more. There's Toast, which is the original space thing, T-O-S-T. It's with Barbie dolls. And so, um, yeah. And so I've got to see this. Did, did you see the, <laughs> the Canon Barbie ones? Is, is that what you used? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I came to work one day and I had a friend who's, whose wife... Um, was a seamstress and she has all these dolls. And so she took several of the dolls and she knitted little Star Trek Voyager costumes. And, and I come to work and there's these dolls sitting on my desk and I'm like, what in the world? And so one night with my kids, I had a, a boy, I had a, a ship and in the kids and we just, I got silly. And now there's three episodes um, and it's quite fun because the captain is always hung over, which <laughs> might, might be kind of a call to mud a little bit, but, um, but, uh, yeah, it's the original space thing. So, Star Trek so, Coast. so let me ask you why that century and not TOS this, I'm asking this for a reason for the Barbies. No, no, no. For it sounds like you're more into Voyager in in, in that yeah. timeline. Why right. not the POS era? Well, um, I think it was because I was born in 1966, and um, I did love the original series, but I just fell in love with Voyager when it came out. Um, I thought the first year was a little rough, but then I thought it really hit a nice stride. <clears throat> couple bad episodes um and then when jerry ryan came on board it really took off and um i just love the idea that it it was so much like lost in space here they are you know the the whole idea of them being stuck somewhere trying to get back to me was a great plot idea um and i really they really should have expanded more on the whole problem with the maquis integration into the the, the Maquis should have, there should have been more killing and fighting, right? <laughs> and, uh, um, but then they, they came up with some great characters in the, in the whole Voyager thing. And I just love the look of the ship, the look of the costumes, the interiors, 
it was a little mesmerizing. And I enjoyed those characters and those costumes more than Star Trek The Next Generation. However, you can't beat Kirk and Spock and Bones. It, it, you, you can try with Janeway and Tuvok and, and, and Harry Kim in Paris. It's very good. And, um, and so, yeah. Plus, the other thing is um, I went to a Comic-Con and I needed to make I wanted to make some Star Trek costumes very quickly. And so I went to Salvation Army. I bought some shirts. I cut them up and I made four or five Star Trek Voyager um, tunics right away. And so we showed up black pants, easy Voyager shirts, got some badges, made those quickly. And um, I thought that would be a lot easier to do than having to deal with the things around the arm on the TOS and the and you got to have the right you got to have the right logo on the gold and the blue. You can't you can't screw that up. So, well, Voyager had Voyager had. I mean, I, I agree with you on like the earlier seasons. If they had had the the tension between the Maquis and the Starfleet, like they they could have had that easy for two seasons and and kept that going. Um, I, I, I think Voyager was a show of just missed opportunities. Um, you know, it had so much potential. The problem with it was that it was, um, episodic instead of serialized. Had it been serialized, I think we could have got what you were talking about. And I, I think it would have been a lot better. But we had a lot of, we had a lot of gems, like, uh, Living Witness was a great episode. Hope and Fear was a great episode. Uh, Dark Frontier was a great two-parter. Year of Hell was a great two-parter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had great character arts, like with the doctor um, getting his uh, ECH, you know, the, the emergency command hologram. Uh, you know, Tuvok was a great character. I, I think for me, Tuvok is my, my favorite Vulcan. Um, no offense to any Spock lovers out there. Um, he's just my go to. Um, uh, I, you know, as, <laughs> I feel bad for Harry Kim, you know, bless his heart. Um, but they had, they had a lot of good character arcs um uh and and surprisingly my my favorite first officer is chakotay i i really, really loved him yes and everybody everybody always says that when i say that and i don't know why um i for me it always goes back to one moment that chakotay had and it's in the second episode um and i wish they had stuck to this uh mentality that he had but it's when he's talking to the uh uh, the two episodes or the, the two characters um, and they're talking about the tension between the Starfleet and the Maquis and it's in reference to Bolana hitting Carrie um, <clears throat> and I guess she punched him in the nose or something Yeah, and and they're like they're, they're like if you want to take over they're, they're like you know we, we support you and he's like what do you what exactly do you mean and they're like if, if you want to take over the ship we, we got your back. And he's like, ah, okay. If you and then there's a pause. And he's like, if you ever talk like that again, I'm gonna personally throw you in the brig for mutiny. And then he walks away, and they're both standing there with their jaws just on the floor. And I love that. And I wish they, the writers, had kept that going because as much as I love Janeway and Tuvok getting, you know, yeah. getting counsel, and as much as I love, you know, Harry and 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 Paris. I loved Chakotay just being the moral badass. Didn't he lay that guy out on the floor in the, in the mess hall? Was that that episode? I just, I I I remember Chakotay hitting, knocking someone. 
At some point he does, I believe. But uh, it wasn't that. It's been a while since I've seen Voyager. The past couple of weeks I've been watching Voyager more and more. Okay. Voyager is my least favorite of all the shows. That sounds like um, that scene. That's why. Uh, not that scene, but it might be that episode. But I, don't okay. quote me on it. But I, but I do, I like, he is my favorite first officer just because of that one moment where I'm like, everybody, everybody was, uh, that's Maquis wants you to overturn the ship. Janeway has the utmost faith in you, even though she has every right not to, but you're doing the morally right thing, even -hmm. though it'd be very easy not to, and it would be very easy to prove your haters right and prove you, you know, but you did the right thing. And I love that because that to me is Starfleet. And I love that, you know, yeah. um, David, um, before I get off track, I mean, for like 15 minutes, I'm like, ask David, ask David, ask David. So, um, you played Chakotay, right? Didn't you play Chakotay yes. in one of your films? Okay. Yeah. I thought, I, I thought I saw that. I was like, Either I saw that or I dreamt it. And if I dreamt it, that's weird that I'm dreaming about you. So (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a compliment, really. Right, 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 right. There's a quick trick where Tanya drew my tattoo Mm. for Chakotay, and it's either a a Pac-Man or a smiley face. Uh So I'm sitting at a bar, and I've got the tattoo, but it's – it's a little bit different tattoo. I'm bitching about Janeway and Bolana and Seven. Um, but when we showed, when I made those original Voyager costumes with me and my kids, um, that's when all hell broke loose. That's when I met. That's when Glenn. When I started, I, I started trying to make a film, and Glenn got a hold of me, and that's when I ended up in Oklahoma on the bridge of the Enterprise. Um, and it, and it was like, so here's a story that nobody knows. Um, when I was dressed up as Chakotay at this comic con, uh, the food was terrible. So we went to a Burger King. Okay. I'm fully, I'm thinner. I'm younger. And I got, I'm really killing. I had a guy walk up to me and say, you are killing Chakotay. I'm like, cool. And so we go to a Burger King and there's this guy reading a book and sitting there and he's watching me he can't take his eyes off me i'm like okay what's this guy gonna do you know Mm -hmm. so we sit down and eat and he walks up and he says something like um hey uh commander i just want you to know i'm doing this and this and doing my best so this guy thought i don't think he was all here he thought I was Commander Chakotay, and and I said to him, "Well done, Ensign. Um, at ease, as you were. Good job." And he's like, "Thank you." And I'm like, "Oh my god, that was wild!" And to, to see the look in his face, um, he thought he was talking to Commander Chakotay there for a minute, and. Uh, I turned on Chakotay and I let him have his moment and, and my kids are like, what in the world? And, and that's great. And also, that's awesome. same, yeah. And, and like, that'll never happen again. And that was awesome. And that really kind of blows my mind and what's going to happen next. And that's, and that's um, when, when I started making Raven and Glenn got a hold of me. So, wow. See, that's, that, that's the type of stuff, you know, they, you know, people, 
even though you know fan, you that that's not specifically like a fan film type thing fan films can impact people in ways that you can't express and you touch lives and you don't get into it to be, you know, world famous, you know, none of us, obviously are William Shatner, none of us are, you know, um, we don't, we don't get into it, you know, to make, you know, billions of dollars, but you know, for, for those of us that have stories that are personal like that, like that, that, that's an awesome story to have David, to know that you were able to give somebody their moment where they're going to be like, man, I talked to Chakotay. Like that's, that's epic, man. Like, that's cool. Like how many people get to have that type of story to be, you know, we all go to our nine to five jobs. We all work the hours we work and, you know, but to have a story like that, to be like, man, I made an impact on somebody. That's like, that's epically cool, man. For real. That is. Yeah. It's it's very positive. That's what I love about Star Trek, especially the old series. It's just very positive. Yeah. I'm going to ask Wolf a question. Go ahead. Glenn, in the very beginning now, see, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen I Mud. So I'm trying to remember in the very beginning when you have Fenton's son, was he in the original? Negative. Negative. But what my thoughts were at the time is I thought he was going to play a more intriguing part in the system. Did you ever think of continuing on with the story between Harry and his son? I definitely did. And the, and the interesting thing is, you know, they've never met mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they live on opposite sides of the country. Um, I've kicked around a couple stories of, of trying to get them together, but but Josh Malone, who plays his son, um, is extremely busy. Um you know, he made his own fan film. I don't know if you know that. He made a Jurassic Park fan film as well. But but he's a he's a he works on archaeology digs. Oh, so it's it's so he shot that his scene uh, on a dig site. Um, and you, know, David, you were saying you had some of the the costuming. Uh, Josh wore his same exact costume for this one that he that, that he kept it from the original series because he liked it so much and it was something he would wear to work. So he kept his costume from his name is mud. And then when I asked him if he wanted to come back and play that character again, he was all on board and he, and he says, and I even still have a costume. So right. but, uh, no, it's great. Uh, I, actually I met that kid through one of my daughters. He was working at a movie theater that my, one of my daughters was working at and they were just chit-chatting one day about, you know, you know, her crazy dad's building this spaceship in the garage and making a Star Trek film. And he's like, <laughs> can I be in it? And so that's how Harry's kid uh, came about was my daughter and him worked together at a movie theater. And he's, he does phenomenal, too. I, I love that kid. Uh, the, he's, he's a foot taller than David, though. So if we brought them together, we'd have to have a couple of apple boxes for you, David. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the saw. Wait a minute. Words. (laughs) Well, both times I've played the role for Glenn, he's put me in at least four inch heels. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Frank's got the saw. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I can't get anything to work tonight. Look at that. It's all gone. Glenn, just take some fashion, a box with some cardboard and some duct tape, slap that together. Put them on it. 
Oh my God. You know what, you know, what's funny about that it is David talking about the heels for the first episode. I, I had ordered some, you know, particular boots that had, you know, four inch heels and stuff on them made in China. David, did we even get one take before the things broke? Oh yeah. I bet we, we had to tape them together. We're on his foot. Black duct tape. Uh, and they were not cheap. But oh. you know, we're talking about making were... making much costume out of tape. Here we go again. His <laughs> boots were actually taped to his feet because <laughs> he walked out of the bridge one time and they broke in half. Oh. oh. What's the return <laughs> policy on that? Uh, yeah, none. <laughs> none. I'm sure they say David weighed too much or something. I don't know. It's gonna be something like that. Yeah, he didn't step yeah. right. <laughs> He, yeah. he he put yeah. too much on the on the right foot and it made it break and then he yeah. overcompensated with the left and that one broke. <laughs> yeah. So, so but you know you, you got to fix things on the fly. That's how this yeah. is. So if it's anything like their sizing, they make fantastic stuff, but the sizing is never right. <laughs> no. no, their sizing scale is ridiculous. My first DS nine slash first contact uniform that I got was from China and. They, I put in all the measurements, measure myself, all that, put it in. And I don't know if their scale is just different, but I get this thing and I, I'm holding up the jacket. And I'm already thinking, mm, this is, I could hardly get my one arm in it, much less the second one. That wasn't happening. I'm just thinking, how, how do you take what I gave you there? How small are you guys to where to, to me, my, my measurements equal your your biggest person, which is it was like a medium is it right. a medium for me. And it needed to be, you know, like a like a three X. Did you send yeah. it in inches or centimeters? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. They, they thought you were using the metric system. <laughs> you know, that's a good question. That's that's a very good question. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, see, I see. I like for me, I. I was down in, uh, I was wearing my DS9, the, uh, the, the first contact type uniforms. I, and <laughs> I didn't realize that the zippers are not the most stable of, of zippers. They're uh, always backwards. Uh, well, hey. that, that wasn't my issue for, for the, the zipper, but I didn't realize that, man, I probably shouldn't bend over in these things. Cause you know, me having the, the, you know, pizza gut that I have, you know, I'm, I'm an engineering, uh, for the very first time. And I'm ready to shoot the, the little mini film that Ray said I could film while I was there. So I'm ready to do my thing. And I bend over to get something for Ray and pop zipper pops. I'm like, son of a, oh man. No. So the, yeah. Yeah. So if you watch the film that I actually filmed, uh, and I forget which one it is. It's a very, again, very short film. But like I have my jacket open, which is not a big deal. But I was so angry because I'm like, I, I, what am I? I don't know how to do zipper type stuff. Uh, so I ended up sending it to uh, Greg Mitchell, who was like, Oh yeah, my wife knows how to do that. So I sent it to him. I was like, Hey man, have the uniform. 
consider it yours because you always do all this editing for me and enjoy it. So now, no matter what uniform I put on, I'm like, I ain't been over for nothing. Nope. <laughs> sounds really weird, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, he, when, he, when he's on set, he has one PA to pick up things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get one of those extendo arm things and just you know, you know, pick yeah. it up. the arm clamp. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, guys, thank you, you. you know, I, I, oh, I do love all the word rope stories. Uh-huh. Um, uh, one of the greatest thrills I get out of making these films is is watching the other people, like the actors that come in, uh, you know, enjoying the sets and that. Um, the people who are not. I've had many of my actors keep their costumes that are not uniforms. I can't afford to give away my uniforms because I have a Novos uniforms. And if you price oh, them lately, oh. you know, we're talking, you know, five or $600 per right now. Oh, and I yeah. have lost too many of them over the years to be quite honest. But, but Lexi in, in mud, you know, tr- trying to keep on our mud theme here. Uh, Lexi actually at the end of the, the shoot actually wanted to keep her costume as well. So that just makes me feel good that, hey, you know, they enjoyed this so much. They're taking it home and, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, keep this forever. And like I said, you know, uh, you know, Mud Jr., you know, he's he's had his costume from the first episode now for seven years and uh, probably wears it to work. I mean, it's it's, it's but but, you know, it, it's really the the joy of, of or bringing the joy to other people. That is why I keep doing this, because. All of you who've made a fan film know it's a lot of work, and yeah. sometimes yeah. you wonder why the heck you're doing it. But but it's the it's the the joy of the other people enjoying it that really keeps me going. Yeah, and that's great. That is awesome, and we want you to keep doing it. We want all of you guys to keep doing it. Glenn and David, could you guys tell us where we can find your upcoming stuff? Anything that you've got? In the works, that's going to be out soon. Anything like that? Where can we, where can we make sure our audience knows how to keep track of what you guys are putting out? Glenn, you go first. Uh, go ahead. You gonna let me go first? Okay, I'll go first. Um, our YouTube channel is the Federation Files. Uh, all of our Star Trek episodes are there. We have done one Stargate episode, which is called uh, Stargate SG thirteen. It's it's on that channel, but it's not on the playlist because it's. It's actually a new series I'm starting called Sci-Fi Shorts, which will eventually get its own channel. But with only one episode right now on that, uh, it's just, you know, on the page if you look for it. Or if you just Google search Stargate SG-13, you'll find it. Um, that series is 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 going to be just whatever I feel like playing with. Like right now I'm shooting a Deep Space, uh, not Deep Space Nine, Space 1999. And I have a Jurassic Park one in the works as well. So, um, and then, um, you know, so then back to the Star Trek, then we have a, a Facebook page, uh, Warp 66, which is the name of our studio, mm-hmm. which stands for Wolf and Reynolds Productions. And then 1966 is the year Star Trek came out. And then we also have a Federation Files, uh, Facebook page and a website, uh, thefederationfiles.com. And you can find behind the scenes stuff. Uh, we have some animated things I did. A, uh, like 10 years ago on there. So between Facebook and the regular web and YouTube, that's where you can find us at. So look for the Federation files, the Federation files. If you just do a Google search for the Federation files, it will send you to any of those, you know, depending on which one you pick on, on the 
Okay. David, how about you? You got anything uh, interesting coming up or anything that you want the uh, fans listening or watching to uh, to take a look at? Um, nothing. Nothing. I, okay. That's... <laughs> I, he, I he's am, working on another mud episode for us. <laughs> well, every time I sit down and try to write my own mud episode, I just throw my hands up in the air. I, my initial idea was was you know in the original series they had muds women, and so I had an idea to do muds men, and um, where I'm selling men basically as husbands um, instead of women, and and I thought that would be a nice switch, but maybe it's not that original. Um, and to sort of find what I'm working on, you can go to starfleetstudios.com. If you go there, you'll find the different YouTube channels. Now, the problem is I'm on the fourth YouTube channel now because the original YouTube channel, uh, Starfleet Studios got taken away from me by YouTube. I couldn't log in one day and I've never been able to get back. So I put all my videos on my modeling agency channel, Midwest Model Agency, which is now Midwest Model Studios. And then I have a new channel, which hasn't been stolen or, or taken away from me yet, called the Starfleet Studios channel. So you'll see Starfleet Studios, Starfleet Studios channel. It's the channel is the one that's up to date. And that's I put the links uh, from the website to there. And so I have some things... You know, I have bits and pieces of Raven Part Two, and I have some parts of scripts, and I have—I finally think I've figured out the problem with my scripts, and I know how to move forward. And sometimes you just hit a wall, and it's like, well, what am I? Because I keep getting asked, "What am I going to do a Raven Two? Well, um, Raven's gone through some changes, and um, and of course, I want to get Jim back as Captain uh, Vero. I mean, Captain, um, well, he's the captain. His daughter played a Vulcan. Um, she played such a wonderful Vulcan that it's kind of like, do I really want to make another Raven without that Vulcan? And and not really. I mean, she was, her and the doctor together were so good. It's like they kind of stole the show, I thought. And so um, the desire, to, I just want to get those two back together so bad. And there's a chance that Amanda might be coming back to the U.S. She's out of the country. And so, but at the same time, like, yeah, I've been paused so long. I just don't know. So look for, I'm hoping in the spring we can get Tanya back to Iowa and fly her in or I'll fly to Iowa. There is a place in Tempe, Arizona. I've always wanted to film. Um, it's called Hole in the Rock in Tempe. It would be a great spot for a Gorn type scene. Um, just almost anything in that spot, that hole in the rock. Um, it's like this red, red, big hill with a big hole in the middle of it. Um, it's a beautiful location. So, um, but I'm going to be getting on my friend, Jim, who lives here in Iowa, uh, who's done several films with me and Glenn and say, Hey, let's just, just let's just hunker down and, and start producing some stuff. Even if it's all green screen, let's just do it. I Excellent. Have a, I have a Gorn costume, David. <laughs> What's that? You have a Gorn? Yeah. Yes, you it do. It was in the bar, and his name is Mud. You still have it. Okay. I, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> no one stole it from you? <laughs> no, no one has stolen it, no. That's good. That's good. Vance, a.k.a. V-Man, would you like to close us out? 
Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, first off, Frank, um, what do you have anything uh, coming up, Frank? Uh, at all? Not just a lot of work. Because as I said, uh, we had that small. We had a, the small fundraiser, which we did. We did get a hit our goal, which was great. So uh, uh-huh. now we're taking that and. Uh, uh, as I was telling them earlier, we're making some changes to the bridge, and Jason, the, our other executive producer, and I have been working when we can, but uh, we've also been really slammed at work, so it's going slow. So we'll probably start shooting Romulan ales around the first of the year. We were going to try to have it a little bit earlier, but if we're going to take care of the bridge we, the way we want it, repaint it, you know, get rid of all the, the little screw holes and stuff like that and make it right, put those TVs up. We're going to we're going to change things and it, it's going to be a fresher look and um, we're doing it right. We're not going to rush it. So. Good. And then if you have anything that you have planned, because I know that you had mentioned a couple small things, we'll find out if that's in the works. I know I've been doing cameos for you on and off (laughs) my lips are sealed i have no idea what you're talking about so i'm not tired absolutely absolutely on that note i want to say uh uh first off big j um it's a pleasure working with you on these man um i look forward to doing more with you in the future um thank you so it's it's great collaborating with you, man. Uh, it's uh, every time I've worked with you and chatted with you, it's been a great time. So thank you. Thank you, uh, Frank. Um, uh, it's been a time chatting with you, my friend. So you know, I love it when we do. <laughs> me, me too, man. It's like old times, brother. It's it's good talking with you, man. Uh, as always, brother. Uh, Wolf, uh, dude, I love your films, man. I hope you never stop, man. So, uh, and David, it's been far too long. I hope we get to talk sooner rather than later, man. So I look forward to what you have coming out. So, um, uh, I hope to see you on the screen. So good deal. So, um, on that note, everybody, uh, who's watching us, um, thank you for joining us. And next week we will be showing uh, a film by Dreadnought Dominion. Uh, tune in to find out which one. And on that note, be genuine, be safe, and keep on geeking on, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can support us at patreon.com slash beyondtrek. We are Beyond Trek Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious Trek content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe to us. Resistance is futile.